The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, February 19, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I, I think I want to start with Wichita State. We have quite the story developing in Wichita dead leg. As you know, Wichita State was a big story in the preseason because Greg Marshall was forced to resign. Assistant Isaac Brown was named the interim coach. The Shockers were picked seventh in the AC, uh, in the AAC preseason poll, and I didn't figure we'd talk about them again until they hired a full-time replacement. But now here we are, because Wichita State, after Thursday night's upset of number six Houston inside Coke Arena is now alone atop the AAC standings. The Shockers are 13 and four overall, nine and two in the league. They have the resume right now of an NCAA tournament team. Isaac Brown, I think has to be considered a serious candidate to get the job full-time. I don't know how many people were saying that the day Greg Marshall was uh, forced to resign. Norlander, are you willing to join me in calling Wichita State one of the coolest stories in the sport at this moment? At this moment, there's little argument against it here. Isaac Brown has done a wonderful job, and we were just waiting on, frankly, GP, we were waiting on a result like what we got Thursday night. Wichita State has been mostly off the radar for much of the season because it wasn't expected to be that good. And In fact, the first three games of the season went over Oral Roberts, then expected losses against Missouri and then at Oklahoma State. Uh, strangely enough, both those came on Wichita State's home floor, but you start out 1-2 and two and you lose to two potential NCAA tournament teams. You're kind of working from behind uh, from there on out and they got uh, beat before by Houston back in early January. Now, the Shockers have won 7 of 8, 9-2 uh, in the American, obviously tied atop the league standings there, and Isaac Brown's done a good job. He has done what there was plenty of general skepticism about in the preseason, and that would be, could he wind up being good enough to keep his job? He clearly, at this point, has done enough to deserve a true, long, legitimate look. Uh, happened here from a couple of coaches on Thursday night, uh, kind of echoing that because when Wichita State got the 68-63 win, um, you know, the plenty of uh, media reporters were, were talking about it, tweeting about it, and, and certainly that captures uh, some of the uh, the attention of coaches in the sport. And it wasn't an overly busy Thursday night. It was decently busy, but this one, we mentioned on the previous pod, uh, a, a big-time big result. So, yes, I do think it's one of, the, uh, one of the best stories in the sport that's ongoing. Still got to see where it goes from here. Um, Unless some games can get squeezed in, and they might, GP. The Americans got to figure out stuff. There's been a, a litany of games that have been postponed or canceled this week because of the weather on top of COVID stuff. In fact, how about a quick, how about a quick trivia time? Just see if you can throw a dart and get it within ten. How many games, as of when I checked this morning, from this Sunday, projected until Saturday's games that have been affected? How many games do you think have either been pushed or canceled this week? Seven million. 
You were so close when you started that. 70 on the button. Uh, a few of those have been American Athletic Conference games. So if the uh, Shockers don't get another one, their next scheduled one is at home Thursday, February 25 against SMU. We'll see if they get another one. But right now, they're certainly in the tourney conversation. So I love this story. I absolutely love it when people find themselves in situations they couldn't have possibly imagined and then flourish in those situations. I mean, Isaac Brown was... He's a, Greg, he's a Wichita State assistant working for a maybe future Hall of Fame coach. And then the whole thing blows up. And now it's like, hey, take this team that's not supposed to be good and coach them through the middle of a pandemic. What? And, 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 and he's not only made the team good, he's made it so good that it's sitting atop the league standings in a league that has a top 10 team right now. It's remarkable stuff. So some people in our profession last night we're tweeting give him the job hand him the job take the interim tag off right now do you go that far with it do you so i guess this is what i'm asking you we both agree he has to be considered for the job he's doing an amazing job does he have to let's set the bar at the ncaa tournament wichita state makes the ncaa tournament does isaac brown have to be wichita state's full-time head coach doesn't have to but if he gets the shockers there i think he's done enough to earn the job uh, i think context is important as well um when he was given the post after marshall uh resigned uh obviously had no shortage of of very vocal supporters within that program and i do think like just uh, as this conversation relates to the result on thursday gp I think it reflects well on Isaac Brown as a coach that if you watch that game, uh, opening tip to final horn, aside from the play with, you know, Tyson Etienne, Altrick Gilbert, who looked great, Dexter Dennis had some some big stuff late. The team just looked like it was up and ready to play. The body language was tremendous. Houston is a really good team. Houston's a team that can get to the final four and even though the roundhouse wasn't the roundhouse as it normally is in a normal season parish, I thought it was a really good sign that the team was well-prepared, willing to play Houston's game. It looked good. It just looked like it was ready for the moment, and I thought that was a reflection of the coach. So with that as backdrop, if he gets the team to the tournament, I would say that he has certainly deserved it. Right now, no. Let's see what they can do the rest of the way here. And if you want to make the bar, whether you're in or out of the tournament, um, I, I don't know if I necessarily would have a huge issue with that, but right now from the outside, looking in it it seems as though the program has been able to stabilize itself in the first uh you know six months without marshall one other piece of context i think is important with all of this though he's done a lot right now it really comes down to uh you know the presidential situation at that university athletic director and do they want to totally invest in him or do they want to try as best as they can to remove themselves from the context of this season and say okay do we think that Isaac Brown is going to be able to keep us in this top three, top four AAC situation going forward? If we do, your answer is clear. You, you should hire him, especially if you get to the NCAA tournament. But sometimes with these searches, what they can really entail is, all right, what are the other candidates that we realistically think we can get? And where's the upgrade, their familiarity versus uh, the enticement of the unknown? But, you know, we are in agreement that he is clearly trending toward a position where we would support him getting the full-time gig, and I think that would be the right decision. Yeah, I would stop short at this moment of saying he's got to get the job, like hand him the job. I'm not, I'm not willing to go that far, and it's not. It's got nothing to do with Isaac. Anymore. You know, I'm just speaking in general. This would be the. I would say the exact same thing about anybody in this situation. Um, oh, and by the way, the situation 
kind of similar to the situation Chris Holtman found himself in in Butler mm. once upon a time. He is on staff with Brandon Miller. Brandon has to step away from the program for reasons that you can Google. And Chris Holtman has handed this job. Okay, now you're in charge on an interim basis. Team's not supposed to be good. Go, go, go coach for your career. Like, hey, hey, you do a good enough job. Now, you're going to have to overachieve. Team's not supposed to be good. But if you do a good enough job, you might get this job. If not, you might go be a mid-major assistant somewhere next season. And everybody knows that story. Chris Holtman takes him to the NCAA tournament, does it again, ends up getting the Ohio State job. He's now got a team that's projected in Columbus to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. But if he doesn't, this is not a stretch. If he doesn't have a good year that season where he's the interim coach at Butler, who knows where he's at right now? I can tell you one thing. He's not at Ohio State right now. No chance. And so Isaac Brown finds himself in a similar situation. Do a good enough job in this season where your team wasn't supposed to be good. Make it good. Be good, and maybe you get a $7 million contract. Like That win last night, I tweeted this. That win might have been worth $7 million to Isaac Brown. If he, if he marches this thing in the NCAA tournament and ultimately gets the job full-time, if you go five years, $1.5 million a year, it's $7 million contract. It's wild. So he's in a situation where he's coaching for his career. He could be the head coach at Wichita State, multimillionaire next season, or an assistant coach somewhere making $175,000. Like you, nobody's got more on the line the rest of this season than Isaac Brown. So he's clearly put himself in a, in, a, in a situation to go grab it. But I would stop short of saying you have to give it to him right now or under any circumstances. Perhaps it's a poor comparison, but I think you'll get the point. Um, I've been uh, doing uh, Time to Shine, the television show on CBS Sports Network uh, this week. And let's say for the sake of the conversation that Adam Shine just stepped – he was gone. He just stepped away from the TV show forever, starting effective immediately, which is essentially what happened to Greg Marshall. And they're scrambling at CBS Sports Network, and they're like, well, like, GP's right here. We know he can do it. He's our best option at this point, even if I'm not. Just play along. He's our best option right now. Let's just – let's let GP do it on an interim basis. And then I do it on an interim basis, and I, I do well. I do better than anybody thought. And, and then it's time to, to decide who's going to host this show full-time. And they go, well, look, Gary took it under unusual circumstances, did a brilliant job, better than we expected. Should we give him the job? And then, and then somebody else in the office says, hey, I just got a phone call, and Rachel Nichols wants the job. You know, like – at that point, I don't get the job. It's like, well, we got we, we got Rachel Rachel Nichols wants it. She's Gary did a good job, but like if we can get Rachel Nichols, we got to go get Rachel Nichols. I think that is ultimately when you are running an athletic department and you've got an interim situation, you've got to weigh both of those things. Like, okay, the person we we had on an interim basis is, yeah. d- did an amazing job, but do we think there's somebody better anyway? I remember way back when. Uh, I was just getting out of college. Tick Price was the head coach at Memphis. Same type of situation. Had to resign, you know, just before the season started. Johnny Jones took over as the interim coach. Did a pretty good job. And there were people saying, you got to give Johnny the job. He did a pretty good job. And then it was like, yeah, but John Calipari wants the job. So what are we even talking about? I don't think John Calipari is going to be in line for the Wichita State job, but you get the point. At the end of the day, whenever that time comes at Wichita State, they are not just weighing whether Isaac Brown did a good job or not. Undeniably, he's doing an amazing job. You're weighing, 
is this the person we want to run our program going into the future against whatever leading candidate exists elsewhere? And that's a difficult thing to balance. And sometimes it can be hard not to get caught up in the moment because sometimes getting caught up in the moment ultimately becomes something you regret. We'll see where we're at in about a month's time here. Um, last on on the Shockers, I wouldn't have them in the tournament as of today. They are 68 in the net. Uh, they're doing well in uh, some res- – well, KPI's got them 34, strength of record at 48. Predictive still not kind. BPI, Wichita State, number 100 as we record this podcast. Uh, Ken Palm, 71, and then Sagarin at 66. Two best wins, the Houston one, obviously, and then they have a road win against an Ole Miss team that's not in the field yet either, but it's in the mix there. So 2-2 two and two in quad one, 2-2 two and two in quad two, undefeated in the 7, Q3, Q3. Q4 games at this point. Shockers have a lot of work to do still and cannot, in my opinion, take a bad loss. So uh, the win gets them into the conversation. I just wouldn't have them in as of right now. You can take those computer numbers and shove them straight up your ass. They're two and two in quadrant one. They are two and two in quadrant two. They're nine and oh outside of the first two quadrants. So like I get the computer numbers, but I'm going to focus on the resume. There are 500 in the first two quadrants, no losses outside of the first two quadrants. I went and looked at Jerry Palm's latest bracket. Colorado is the last team in. Colorado's two and four in quadrant one, five and oh in quadrant two. So they're seven and four in the first two quadrants, but they got three quad three losses. I submit Wichita State's resume right now better than Colorado's resume right now. Uh, if we, I mean, I, I if, if the, committee convened tonight and built a field of 68 for Saturday morning, I would bet you $1,000 Colorado would be either in or seated a better than Wichita State. I don't know what because to tell you. Because I got it. I'm not, saying, got, I'm not even saying that's the right thing. I'm just, I'm just saying that's what it would be. I, I don't disagree with you. Like, because right. they would say, well, you know, they got seven in the first quadrant as a first two quadrants, seven wins as opposed to four for Wichita State. And Wichita State's only got two wins in quadrant one and, and, uh, you know, or, or two wins in quadrant two and, 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 uh, Colorado's got five, and then they would, you know, not even talk about the three quarter three losses. They just forget about that mm-hmm. completely. You are right. They would base it on the number of wins inside the first two quadrants and the strong computer numbers. I'm just saying, at some point, you got to focus on the resume. And I think Wichita State's resume right now is cleaner than Colorado's resume right now. But that's a Jerry Palm topic. We'll let him figure all that stuff out. The NCAA announced on Friday that we'll have up to 25% capacity at all venues for the NCAA tournament next month. Norlander going to fill us in on the details next. But first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
So the NCAA announced on Friday that we'll have up to 25% capacity at all venues for the NCAA tournament next month. Norlander, I was taping a television show this morning, hoping Rachel Nichols never wants to host it. Um, I haven't had time to dive into the details yet. Tell me what I need to do. All right, yeah. Um, so this came out on Friday afternoon. Was told that really the NCAA was hoping that this stuff was going to be out in time for last weekend's bracket reveal. But uh, when you're working with three different counties, three different sets of health officials and trying to get everything in agreement before you make uh, an announcement that includes all of them, uh, some delays are going to happen. And, and mostly it was with uh, Monroe County where Indiana University is at. I'll get to that in just a second there. So 25% max capacity is going to be the allowance for attendance inside NCAA tournament venues for all rounds, all venues from the first four to the final four and national championship game. That's what we're going to be dealing with. That's obviously welcomed news for fans that want to try and go to this. Uh, certainly without a doubt and, and good on them um, to be able to make all of this happen here. Uh, Indiana subsequently announced after this came out that there will be a maximum of 500 spectators allowed in the building. And so I, 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 I found that interesting in that um, clearly the NCAA, and this is me reading the tea leaves. I think the NCAA uh, clearly wanted to have a situation where its venue capacity was pretty much universal across the board. And the health officials in Monroe County said, we're not going to go for that. And so then Indiana, uh, 10 to 15 minutes afterward, uh, announced that it would, uh, it would only allow 500 people, spectators in, um, which... It's not yet clear, by the way, if, the, if that's the ticket-buying public here. Um, IU did say its plan is based on uh, the recommendations from the medical response team, and it's consistent with the attendance that's been going on at uh, Assembly Hall this season. But notably, um, they're going to permit family members inside and staff members, and a limited number of seats will also be available for vaccinated medical personnel and first responders from Monroe County. That's a great call. What we didn't get on Friday that I was wondering if we would – and we may still get it in a week or two or three, was the NCAA, when it made this announcement, it didn't say, we're going to have a maximum of 25% capacity, and oh, by the way, we plan on um, inviting X number of uh, first first responders, vaccinated uh, medical personnel, etc., which I think is an automatic no-brainer PR win. The NFL did this with the Super Bowl. Uh, GP has talked and he's written about this before. Uh, there just needs to be a VP of common sense at the NCAA. It's, it's kind of, and again, they might be planning to do this anyway. I don't know why you wouldn't announce this today if you are though. Uh, and if you didn't and podcasts like this uh, remind you, then get on your horse. If you're going to do the final four and you're going to do 25% fan capacity, which is frankly, I think is too much for some people to be comfortable with. Um, announce that you're going to provide some seats here for some vaccinated healthcare workers. That would be an easy, easy, easy win. So hopefully that's happening. And it, someone that was in the room should have said, let's just put this in the announcement when we make this done here. Um, if you want to know uh, capacities of these venues, I did look it up. Um, if you want to deduce from here, I have not done the math on this but yet, by the way, because I've been uh, trying to chase my children around my house for three hours this afternoon. Um, IU doesn't matter because it's 500 max, uh, but it's 17 and change. Banker's Life, Pacers Home, it's 17,923. Mackey's at 14,800. Hinkle's at 9,100 uh, max capacity. IUPUI is at 6,800. And then Lucas Oil, 
is going to have two different setups, so I don't know how this is going to work. So everything pre-Final Four is going to be two courts, and then the Final Four is going to be one court, and I've been told the court will not be in the middle of Lucas Oil. It will be to one of the sides there. So I don't know how the math is going to work out where if you want to get a ticket pre-Final Four, if there's going to be less because there's two courts or more. Um, but those numbers that I just gave you, those are the capacity for the venues. The maximum allowance will be 25%. That includes the way that these health counties and inspectors look at this is every heartbeat that's in the building counts. So uh, if it's a player, a coach, a media member, a janitor, a uh, frontline healthcare personnel, a regular fan, and and the grandma, the backup center, all those people count toward this total. And from there, the NCAA is going to have uh, a certain amount of tickets that people can buy. They are set to go on sale, in, I think, March 1 or just after that. Um and I'll be generally fascinated at the secondary market with this parish uh, because it's going to obviously be a pretty hot ticket. And, of course, the NCAA was going to do anything it possibly could under the guise of health and safety amid a still ongoing dumbest pandemic of our lifetime to Honestly. make as much money as possible off of tickets while not cramming the place. So 25% appears to be the happy medium there, and here we are. Um, it, you know, Lucas Oil capacity under normal circumstances, 70,000. So 25%, what are we doing? 17,500, something like in that. that. In that general range, yes. That's just a lot. It's a, it, it's a lot of people to be, okay, once they're in the building, they're socially distant. You're bringing a lot of people into downtown Indianapolis at the same time. Like, I'm not going to rant and rave about it. It is what it is. You know, they had people at the Super Bowl. They had people at the World Series. My initial instincts are like, just don't do it. But you know, I, I also know that, they did it with the Super Bowl. They did it with the World Series. They're going to – I've known for a while they're going to do it with the Final Four, whatever. Um, but, like, I I won't sign off on it's great to have 17,500 people all convening in, you know, little bitty downtown Indianapolis. You know, downtown Indianapolis is a pretty compact place. Now you're asking 17,500 people to come down there. Again, whatever. It is what it is. I'll be fully vaccinated by then. I don't even care. But it's a lot of people. It's, and I and I won't be fully vaccinated by then. So, so yeah, I, I would I would agree. That just seems like a a pretty big number there. And just as an aside here, um, we'll see if something changes. But inside baseball, like the NCAA is not providing like COVID testing for the media that's planning on covering this event. So uh, fairly hypocritical to you know put in millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars into holding this event. And then you're just not going to provide really any kind of safeguards with COVID-19 protocols as far as the media is concerned. And you're going to allow tens of thousands of people to descend upon Indianapolis, you know, hypocritical, get it together NCAA. And uh, I'd like to, if I, if I'm feeling a little off the morning of the sweet 16 and I want to get a COVID test, I don't want to have to be scrambling and driving 45 minutes out to a CVS, not knowing when I'm going to get my test back, get it together, allow for media testing to happen there. At the very least, you're going to be doing it every single freaking hour for every coach player, et cetera, for the people that whose occupation is to cover the event. Maybe you can do a little bit better. The only thing they care about is if you have a soda, you have it in an official NCAA blue cup. Uh, that's all they care trust about. Trust me. I know. I know. We're trying to see if we can make something happen there, but I don't know if it will. But that's the fan. Everyone had been waiting on this, and I don't know how all this works. Because frankly, I've never applied for a ticket for the Final Four, but there's a lottery system. So if you're involved in that, that I think that stuff is going to be uh, – emails are coming to you, and you'll be aware of if, if you – win such a, a deal there but uh there will be fans in the stands i have zero idea how the seating situation is going to work out with all that but that was uh that was the headline from friday
Before we get to the final four and one, um, you talked to Mitch Barnhart, the Kentucky AD, the committee chair this week about a number of things. Among them, the at-large chances for Belmont and Winthrop. It is interesting. Winthrop's 19 and one. Belmont is 23 and one. And yet, as someone who ranks 26 college basketball teams every morning, I don't even look at them, if I'm being honest, because there's nothing there in the win column in terms of quality. Both teams have won a lot. Neither team has a quadrant one win. Neither team has a quadrant two win. Now, let me be clear. Amazing jobs at both places. But when you're trying to actually evaluate the 26 best teams in the country, you've got to have some substance in that win column, not just a lot of wins. And that um, also pertains to trying to be an at-large candidate for the NCAA tournament. So when you talk to Mitch about this, because in, in, in theory, I, I think what the committee hopes, I know what the committee hopes, is that Winthrop just gets the automatic bid, Belmont just gets the automatic bid, and they don't have to deal with this. But on the off chance, that doesn't happen. And Winthrop is sitting there as a two-loss at-large candidate, or Belmont is sitting there as a two-loss at-large candidate. How's that going to go down? Well... I'm damn fascinated on what's going to happen there. Uh, if you want to read the full Q&A, it's going to be in the pod description. So go ahead and tap on through if you're listening on your phone and you can uh, you can read his response to this and a lot of other things in there. Uh, I wanted to bring these teams up specifically and Belmont particularly. Uh, shouts to Casey Alexander and that team. And uh, the Alexander family, apparently huge fans of the pod. So uh, my shouts here to you as well. I did talk with Casey this week and there was a section entirely dedicated to Belmont in the court report as well. Um I do think this situation this season, uh, we, we should have some uh, legitimate discussions about the major consequences that really, really, really good mid-major teams had effect with their schedule. This wasn't even a normal season where it's a good mid-major team and then it can't even get uh, quality games because of scheduling. Belmont had these games on its schedule. Belmont was scheduled to play in a... MTE in Orlando before ESPN dissolved the whole thing that included the likes of, and it wouldn't have played all these teams, it would have played some of them, um, Michigan State, Auburn, Xavier, Gonzaga, Siena, which might be the best team in the MAC and a top five mid-major, all of those in the same pool. Belmont, it was ripped away from them. Lost a game against USC, could be a three seed at the end of the, at the end of this whole deal. Western Kentucky, the best team in CUSA, that would have been a quad two quad uh, potential quad one opportunity for Belmont. It lost all of these, and so because it lost all of them and couldn't get them back, and then had to go play in an MTE against Howard and terrible George Mason and Division two Queens College, Queens University. Its numbers in the metrics have severely been hampered. The only exception is strength of record. So here's where Belmont is as we record this on Friday afternoon. 64th in the net, 73rd in KPI, 75 in BPI, 73 in Ken Palm, 86 in Sagar. And strength of record, which is an objective results-based metric that I do love that basically says, here's how good you are versus the schedule you've played, and we match it against the rest of the sport, Belmont's 41st. It's actually got a decent shot there. If that if it continues to dominate, it's going to get into the top 30 and strength the record, and that could be its saving grace if it does not get the automatic bid there. But the point I brought up with Barnhart, and he was very responsive to this, was, you know, this season more than any other, are you going to, if, if a team like Belmont or Winthrop, which also has one loss, 70th in the net right now, its metrics are slightly worse across the board uh, than Belmont's, and I think Belmont's a slightly better team. Belmont's been killing teams. That's the other thing. It's been routing now. Thursday night just so happened to have a close game against Jacksonville State. Writer Jinx, what do you want from me? But 
I do take stock in the fact that if you're 23 and one and all but four of your wins have come by double digits, that means something to me. So my question to Barnhart and what he responded to was, are you going to actually discuss the fact that Belmont had these opportunities and the, the pandemic wiped them out? So if they're held back by an extra 10 to 15 metric points in any of these, like that needs to be something that's discussed by the committee to give them uh, a reason to be in. At the end of the day, if Belmont has two losses and doesn't have the automatic bid and it's say 25 or 26 and two, I think it would be brutally unfair, frankly, short-sighted to keep it out of the tournament. Now it might just roll again. That's what the committee's hoping for. No doubt. Belmont, Winthrop, which are the two highest profile. If you want to throw Drake in there, if it's like a three loss team and doesn't win the Valley auto bid, go ahead and put Drake in that pot as well. But there's never been a two-loss or a one-loss at-large team kept out of the field. And I think it would be a really crappy example to set this season if if that were to happen there. So we'll wait and see. But I wanted to give him plenty of attention. There's a lot more about Belmont's kind of backstory and how it kind of got to this point uh, in the court report after the Barnhart interview. It's a complicated and unusual situation because typically when you have teams like this, you know, teams operating outside of the power structure, they got incredible records. Um, but but they lack you know great wins. It, it usually falls in one of two categories: either hey you you played the games and you lost them, you know you you played some good teams and you lost them, and then you started rolling through your mid major league. And so you know it, it'd be one thing if you didn't have those opportunities, but you had them and you 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 swung and you missed, and so we will react accordingly. Or it's a team that's got this incredible record at the mid major low major level. And they didn't play anybody. They just didn't even skate. They didn't even try. And then it's like, well, you didn't even try. Like this was St. Mary's a few years ago. Right. I, I made the point. Like they did. They they they. Randy knew he was going to have a good team. He didn't schedule aggressively at all. Like turned down games against quality opponents. It, like like not only did he not pursue them, he turned them down. I had I, I made this point on Selection Sunday, I think on TV, and then had multiple coaches from NCAA tournament teams text me and say, we tried to play St. Mary's, told them we'd play them there. They just said, no, they didn't want to do it. So I was like, leave St. Mary's out. They, they didn't even try to schedule aggressively. And then they lost their Gonzaga games and, you know, and that's not, that's not enough. So usually it's one of those two things. Either you got, the, you got the opportunities and you missed, you just, you didn't win them or you didn't even try. It's not the case here. You know, these teams don't, didn't get the opportunities, but it's not their fault. It's, it's the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime's fault. And so if you ask me to come down on this on one side or the other, here's where I'd come down on it. I hope Winthrop and Belmont both continue to cruise because, you know, Casey's doing an incredible job. Pat Kelsey doing an incredible job. I hope they continue to cruise and get the automatic bids and we don't have to debate this ever. But if one of them is really sitting there as a two loss team on selection Sunday in need of an at-large bid, give it to them. They had incredible seasons. They, they slipped up in their conference tournament. Um, they've got strong strength of records. That does mean something. And they've got incredible records. And we will never know. There's no way to know what they would have done against great competition. They weren't allowed to play the games. Put them in and take one of these mediocre power conference teams out. I'm, I'm with you, man. Particularly if they only have two losses and they are not in the auto bid. That's the deal here. There's never been a two-loss team that's been held out. If memory serves correct, I want to say the only three-loss team was Utah State more than a decade ago. Shouts to Stu Morrill. And the one thing before we get to the final four and one that is kind of just dangling there, and I mentioned that this in the court report, both these teams, their one loss is at home 
and it's a quad four loss, which is obviously it's just it's just hanging out like a knife in the rib cage right sounds now. Sounds like sounds like sounds like Colorado's resume to me. <laughs> exactly, Colorado <laughs> Belmont. I I gotta be honest, I'm leaning Bruins right now. Shouts to Rick Bird, of course. Um, so just keep that in mind going forward. They are fascinating situations. I did want to detail it uh, in advance of us getting to March because I do think those two schools in particular, and again, maybe Drake as well. Uh, but I think if Drake cannot lose again till the Valley Title game, and if it were to lose to Loyola in the Valley Title game, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident three loss Drake is getting in without much debate there. Keep an eye on it going forward. And um, just as a heads up, Belmont at home against Tennessee Tech this weekend. I would assume it's going to absolutely roll by like 25 points there. Uh, Winthrop as well uh, has a has a home game that it should uh, shouldn't have too much trouble with. Yeah, what we are requiring here is Winthrop finishes the regular season with no more losses. Belmont finishes the regular season with no more losses. And then if they lose in their conference tournaments and they are a two-loss at-large candidate, put them in the field. They'll yep. deserve it. Yep. Let's get to the final four and one. Update us on some records. Okay, so last week, um, listen, you doubted the Dukes. JMU. Jimmy Mads won 93-89. I won that cover. You took Hofstra. It's a shame. I'm yeah, at- I had to go with Hofstra. I was there when they secured a bid to the 2020 NCAA tournament that never happened. I could I could not go against the pride. The last game you've been to. Um, so because really of that, is. I'm. I by the way, a week ago, a couple listeners informed me of this. I actually inadvertently gave us a tie. Uh, I had the line reversed. I actually covered that game. It was the Alabama-Missouri oh, game. I know. I, I, my pick was right. Stop Yours was wrong. Steal. Yeah, Stop exactly. the steal. I'm, Stop the steal. I need Stop to, the steal. I need to be accurate for the record here. So I I did not do this gladly. But uh, 26 and 23, you are down to 22 and 27. Hashtag fade GP. Make yourself some money this weekend. Stop the steal. Stop the steal. It's rough. I know. Game one, Saturday, <laughs> noon Eastern. Kentucky at number 19, Tennessee, inside Raymar Smith Arena. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Tennessee, minus seven. Yeah, I'm going to go Tennessee here. Uh, now, Kentucky has, you know, it's it's done itself better as of late. Um but I don't know, Tennessee's wobbly, but I will. Uh, but I'll go here. Kentucky's won two in a row. Uh, it got a close win on the road against Vanderbilt. Kentucky left its just so uh, Barnhart shared with this with me before our interview. Uh, Kentucky left its campus Monday morning by bus to get to Vandy in time so it could beat the storm. Then it was leaving Vanderbilt right after the game to get to Knoxville so we could get to Tennessee so we wouldn't lose this game either. Uh, so uh, an abnormal kind of road trip for the Wildcats here. Um, maybe there's a slight compound effect, plus Tennessee's got this game on its home court. It's the better team. Sevens, I, I, I'm comfortable with that. If you told me it was UT and it's nine, I'd still go with it. So, yeah, give me the Vols. Remember when they told us we couldn't do bubbles because you couldn't have teams off of players off of campus this much? Yeah. Kentucky just spends the whole week in the state of Tennessee. That's right. Nope, nobody, nobody cares. Nobody ever would have cared. Nobody ever would have cared. Nope. Uh, yeah, you're right. Kentucky has played better. They also played Auburn and Vanderbilt. That, that's one way to start playing better is to play Auburn and, and Vanderbilt. Um, how wild is it? UT is uh, Tennessee basketball, Kentucky basketball. Tennessee's got the better team, the better upperclassmen, and the better freshmen. Like you don't usually check all three of those boxes Good against point. Kentucky, but they probably do uh, this season. Still, UT just six and five in the first two quadrants. Like that's not great, and this sounds big because it's Kentucky and it's CBS and it's America's Most Watched Network. 
it's a quad three game for Tennessee. <laughs> like if you lose it, it's a quad, it's a quad three loss. It's, it's a Colorado loss. If you lose it, you look, you start to, you start to look a little bit like Colorado. You take this one. So I'm with you. I just, I think one team's good. And I think one team's not, uh, I'll lay the points. Tennessee minus seven Saturday game two, game two, Saturday, 2 PM. Eastern number 15, Texas tech at number 23, Kansas inside TJ Gasnola field house. You can watch it on ESPN, Kansas minus one i'm gonna take kansas without hesitation here uh jayhawks have been really putting it together as of late um this is wonder the, if anybody predicted this exactly on the podcast what what do you mean i said watch watch norland when kansas was what's wrong with kansas they're gonna drop out of the ap poll i said you want to know what's gonna happen next? They, the schedule's about to ease up they're gonna start a winning streak they'll jump right back into the ap poll and people will be like "Ooh, kansas figured some things out no kansas just got to start playing <laughs> iowa state twice fair enough i know i was about, i was about to just detail that four in a row but the wins are iowa state twice and then kansas state uh but they have gotten it together a bit here i will go with Kansas to win the spot because remember we've we've both expressed uh, just a little bit of uh, cynicism at Texas Tech's overall resume here. Um, I the fact that it's only projected as a one point win by Ken Palm also surprised me. If you would ask me to blindly guess, I would have said Kansas minus three. So I will take the Jayhawks to to win and cover. Texas Tech's resume four and six in the first two quadrants. Wichita State's four and four. Texas Tech's four and six. Put the shockers in the field. I mean, Orlando. opponents matter, though. If you really dig into the details there, I don't I don't know if uh, Wichita State would be better than 4-6 and six if it had those same 10 that Texas Tech has played. Well, I'm glad you prefaced that by saying you don't know because you don't know. That's right. Strong computer numbers for Texas Tech. They're top 20 in everything, but the resume is like they're 4-6 and six in the first two quarters. If they lose here, they go to 4-7 and seven in the first two quarters. I got to get them out of the top 25-1, and don't I? I mean, yeah. at some point you gotta, yes. you gotta, at some point you gotta beat the, you gotta beat the good teams you're playing, or else you're, or else I can't keep calling you a, a good team. I, I want to go opposite you because I got that's the only way to catch up. But I'm not, I, I am, I was the, I was ride or die with the Jayhawks a few weeks ago when everybody was jumping off. So I continue to be ride or die with Kansas. I will take Kansas. I'll lay the one point. We have the same pick. Game three, Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern, number 13, West Virginia at number 12, Texas, inside the Tristan Thompson Center. You can watch it on ABC, Texas, minus two. It's Royal Ivy Court then. Uh, Royal Ivy Court, big time. I just figured Tristan Thompson, only Longhorn to ever impregnate a Kardashian. Your qualifications for these arenas, these venues, these forums – Fair enough. I will take West Virginia. Um, this was a this was a, this the situation around the Big Twelve the entire week has been a mess. Um, apparently, like West Virginia, Oklahoma State came really close to happening uh, this weekend as well. If Oklahoma State had been able to get a plane, but the entire region was frozen and that wasn't doable. So here we have what we have with uh, the ears and Longhorns. Texas has Texas practiced more than once this week. I'm going to take West Virginia because I think West Virginia has been able to practice every single day and that hasn't been Texas. So for that and that alone, these are actually teams 18 WVU and 19 Texas in Ken Palm as we speak. So the margin is no surprise there. Yeah. Give me uh give me Bob Huggins and the, and the Mountaineers who we last saw last weekend lose a double OT home game. A great one to Oklahoma. Did you hear what Shaka Smart did this week? I, I did. Uh, did he cut his hair? Don't tell me he cut his hair. Flew to Cancun. What you say? What you say? What you say? What? 
He took off to Cancun. What if Shaka Smart would have left his basketball team and went to Cancun? How good would that have been? <laughs> Just been amazing. I did. I didn't see that left turn coming. I did not see that. I didn't put it two and two together. I've got a buddy who lives in Austin, uh, and he said forty bikes in his living complex, which has had like water leaks and stuff, were stolen randomly over uh, like one night overnight, probably by a pack of homeless people. Like it's actually been like a just unbelievably of everything else. People are stealing your bikes. I, that's what I said. I was like, it's thirty two degree weather. Like, why is everyone stealing bikes? But stolen, they were. <laughs> stolen, they were. He, it was just, he said, couldn't. It just been been bad, man. Like, just people setting fires and stuff, uh, like, to try and stay warm. And one of them almost got out of hand. Like, just not, not good at all there. Uh, but uh, apparently, like, power is getting restored in the greater Austin area. But, yeah, Texas, the campus was not open for most of this week. And Texas didn't practice. So, again, that's why I'm picking the horns. I had a buddy whose son goes to school at at uh you know, at texas in, in austin and had lost power and so the dad was like yo get a hotel let me look find you can't find a hotel either the hotels don't have power or they're at capacity yep nowhere to go uh guy had no food at his apartment anymore and so he went to like there was one place open like pot bellies or something he went there and stood in line for two hours to get four sandwiches to like get him through the next couple of days I mean, that is crazy. Like I've been, I've been complaining all week because I'm, you know, we're snowed in. We got seven inches of snow, um, but like we've got power, we've got water, we've got heat. Like it ain't that bad. In fact, it's not bad at all. I, I mean, I wish my kids were in school, but like all things, can, it's not that bad. And this thing in Texas, man. Woo. I mean, it's it's like you know we were making jokes and stuff, but like sincerely, it's a it's a it's been a rough deal. So I understand, like you know, you know, picking West Virginia on on the road in in this situation. I mean, it, it's unclear how much Texas has practiced. It's unclear what they've been going through in their personal lives. But I got to go opposite you at some point. So give me the Longhorns. Right. Although it is. The last time Texas beat a top 100 Ken Palm team was January 9th. That, that, that was at West Virginia. But UT is 0-4 in the past four games against top 100 teams. West Virginia coming off a loss to Oklahoma, but still 3-1 of its past four. I'm going Texas minus two. As right. long as Shock is back from Cancun in time to coach. Do you think he'll be back in time? Quit it now! Game four, Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern, number three, Michigan, at number four, Ohio State, inside Michael Conley Arena. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network, network of stars, Ohio State minus one. Best matchup of the regular season in the sport? Mm, Well. What's been better? (sighs) We never got Baylor Gonzaga. Has there been a better one? Damn shame. We got Gonzaga, Iowa. Yep, that would probably that was, be it. That was that was you know it's number one team with national uh, playing a team with the national player of the year leader. That was good. Like this is how about th- we haven't had two top four teams, have we? Mm, I don't think Gonzaga and Iowa were both top four when they met. Right. So we haven't had two top four teams. Um, 
It's on America's most watched network. I'll go. I'll, you need me to call it the biggest game of the year? I'll call it the biggest game of the year. That's what I'm trying to get you toward. Yes, absolutely. Biggest game of the regular season right now, Sunday. Huge. And, by the way, it's really the only game of significant note as we record this pod. Anything can change, I suppose, on Sunday. So this is the, this is the game you absolutely build your day around and... Um, hey, who knows? Maybe in the in the end, maybe there are one seed, uh, you know, consequences with this. Maybe not. We both these teams could wind up on the one line on Selection Sunday as they were six days ago. There, I'm going to take Ohio State in this spot. Now, Michigan has maintained its stride since it came off pause impressively. I might add, it had a little bit of a hiccup in the first half against Wisconsin, but that was it. After that, outscored them 40-20 in the second half, and then they played Rutgers Thursday night. Rutgers kept it, you know, respectable, but if you watch the game, as I did, you saw that Michigan was never losing that game. It was in control the entire time and got to 15-1 and and certainly uh, maintains his status as number three in the sport overall. Clearly, in both my power rankings and GP's top 25-1, and one, the winner of this game will move to number three overall, and that'll also be the case in the AP poll and everything. This is the fight for the spot of the best team in college basketball, not named Gonzaga or Baylor. Since Ohio State has this game on its home floor and it's only a one-point spread, I am going to go with the Buckeyes. Michigan has the seventh-ranked defense in America and the seventh-ranked offense. Ohio State is better on offense. Third, 66 on defense, a bit lower than Chris Holtman would be comfortable with, but I'm going to ride with OSU, which has only lost one game in the past seven weeks at this point. Um, They've both been hot. It's a coin flip. Give me the Buckeyes. You know what? Chris Holtman, he just doesn't get enough credit, so I'm going to go with Holtman. I'm going to give him some credit right here. You look at this roster. There is no reason on earth they should be on a seven-game winning streak, a projected number one seed, ranked fourth in the country. Like, like Michigan's roster might not have a top five pick on it, but Franz Wagner is going to play in the NBA, I think. Yeah. Isaiah Livers is going to play in the NBA, I think. Hunter Dickinson is going to play in the NBA, I think. Do you think anybody on, in Ohio State's program right now going to play in the NBA? I think EJ Liddell will play in the NBA. Okay, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. But that roster is not top four in the country. and But that is a top four team in the country. And so this is me showing proper respect to Chris Holtman. He's an undeniable National Coach of the Year candidate. And at this point, anybody not putting him on a list of the best coaches in college basketball um, isn't doing the list correctly. That said, I know one team's ranked third and one team's ranked fourth. They're right next to each other. I just think Michigan's better. I just think Michigan's better. I've watched – I mean, I've watched a lot of their games, but I've watched the last two coming off the COVID pause. They – I mean, the numbers are all easy to see. The resume is incredible. They look good. They – I mean, when you watch Gonzaga and you go, my God, this team just is playing another sport right now. By the way, Gonzaga just bombed St. Mary's on Thursday night. Yep. You watch them, and it just looks like they're just they're just operating on another level. And you watch Baylor back when Baylor used to play basketball. Remember that when Baylor used to play Halcyon days? Yes, of course. That was fun, man. Watching Baylor. Yeah, the old days. <laughs> back in the good old days. It's practically been um, since Bill Henderson was there, but yeah. And you you watch Baylor, and you go, they just they're just a different level. Like even Bill Self was like, you know, Baylor's just better than us. You know, Gonzaga's. there's two teams that are operating at another level. I, when I watch Michigan, I see this, not necessarily the same thing, but something similar. I just think they look better. Like the resume is the resume, but I think they also look better. I think Michigan, I'm going to regret this. I know it. I think Michigan is closer to Gonzaga Baylor than Ohio State is to Michigan. And so I will take Michigan on the road to win again. Single digit game, be close, but I think Michigan 
if we're going to call it an upset, upsets Ohio State inside Michael Conley Arena. Michael Conley, of course, now top 10 in the entire NBA in real plus minus. Okay, then. Um, <laughs> I was not even remotely aware of that, but sure, <laughs> whatever. Um, here's your tour, and some shouts, as promised, are coming. Uh, to the hardcores who have been waiting, and I know this pod landed later than normal on a Friday. you got to forgive us. Sometimes there's just real-world stuff that gets in the way with job stuff and kid stuff, but we get it to you every Friday. Uh, the There is a very significant game on Friday night. Utah State has to win at Boise State. 10 o'clock tip, Fox Sports 1, Friday night. Uh, me and my wife cannot wait to watch this together. I'm sure she's going to be psyched but USU really does need it to keep an at-large case alive. If Boise State does win and knocks Utah State basically almost permanently off the bubble, I think the Broncos are going to have a lot of room to work with and uh, and not for sure in for good, not a lock, but very comfortable. And then St. Louis at Dayton is a 7 o'clock tip. Uh, I think St. Louis, if it were to lose that game, would really be putting itself in a in a tough spot giving it its game inventory. So Friday night has a couple of, of fairly urgent games to watch there. Sunday has nothing that I would say is, is totally of note as of now. If there's anything interesting, we'll get to on Sunday night. So everything else that I'm going to key you in on here is all on Saturday. The best game GP didn't mention that I'm not going to also give you is probably Virginia at Duke. That's an 8 o'clock tip on ESPN. Um, if Duke wins, it's not in the tournament by any means, but it, it just, it's, it's, it's off life support, I guess, with its tournament chances there. Virginia coming off a, a just an unusually bad loss against Florida State. How does it respond? Fairly compelling game. No Jalen Johnson. We wait and see what happens there. And then Illinois plays at Minnesota. That's a 3.30 Saturday tip on Fox. Minnesota can't win away from home, but it almost wins always at home. So what is Illinois going to do at Minnesota? Um, might we have a... Uh, Io go Io in the final couple of minutes there again. Luca Garza had a wonderful game on Thursday night to kind of reassert himself and remind us that he is indeed the front runner for National Player of the Year. So keep an eye on that as well. And then a good game that I frankly have no idea if it's happening or not is Louisville at North Carolina, currently still on, scheduled for 6 o'clock on ESPN. Louisville had to postpone a game against Syracuse earlier this week. It was the second time this season Louisville and Syracuse were scheduled to play a game, and hours before they were scheduled to play, the game got postponed. There are COVID issues within Louisville. It's to be determined if that's going to be played. So if it is, oh yeah, you remember remember when they said, well, you can't you can't afford bubbles, but you can afford to take chartered flights to places where you won't even play a game. You just turn around and go home. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Um, there's a few other games that I'm not going to bother you with with bubble team stuff. You can read about that at CBSSports.com. I am going to give you a heads up on Arkansas at Texas A&M scheduled for 8.30 on SEC Network Saturday night. Okay, previous pod. Before we get out of here and before I give you the fifth game, our listeners are incredible. Uh, I must have heard by at mention, DM, email, more than 30 people, uh, Apple reviews. I said... You know the number now, GP. I assume you've seen it. But I, I went over under 84.5 teams that have made the Sweet 16 since 1997, which was the year after Arkansas's most recent appearance. The answer is... 99. 99 is the answer. Now, I got a number of answers that were 97, 98, 100, and even 101. But um, an overwhelming group got 99. Uh, a quick quick shout-out to a few of you. Because you know what? If you love the sport this much and you are that into it, I want to give you your little moment here. So uh, Tony's row was the first one. He actually had 98, but then he came back and corrected his error. He, he got – Parrish, he sent us the list. I had It had to be within 15 minutes of the podcast getting published. I was like, what the hell? But good like, on you. That would have taken me three days to do. Crazy. People knocked it out, knocked it out in 20 minutes. Um, some of these are names. Some of these are handles. I'm going to butcher a couple of names here. But Kyle Gadone – 
Tony Melton, Evan Schibble, the Mick McDonald, Warrior Brad. Uh, Patton Shaker said he poured himself a cocktail and went bracket by bracket. That's my that's my <laughs> idea of a good time, by the way. So shouts to you, Pat, for getting that done. Uh, and SJ5562950 proves that uh, it's not all bots on Twitter with those you know nine numbers after uh, after the at mention there. It was one of the first responses. Plus, Will Maupin. Uh, he had a good trivia time. I'll save for you for another episode. Mike Trainer, a um, couple app reviews. Kyle Northrup, Coach Mick Blaine, um, uh, SBU Nate. There were others that got in there. They had the wrong number though. Do better. We so appreciate it. And then Bourbon's good man said, "I believe Parrish's guess of seventy four should count as a miss on trivia time because I said over under." That's fair. Fair enough. Someone else. Someone's tallying these out there. So. Uh, my thanks to you. Many others submitted, but you were the wrong number. So I think that's about everyone who got 99 on the first try. And that's that's genuinely fascinating that we've had exactly 99. And I'm going to actually, I'm going to do a story on it, I think, next week. Uh, because this is uh, interesting enough to me, and I'll do a little uh, a deal there. My game, Villanova at UConn. 1 o'clock, Fox, Saturday, on Kerry Kittle's court. UConn's got James Booknight back. Looks like a completely different team. Villanova has one win this season over a projected NCAA tournament team, and that's at Texas. A great win. The next best wins are a sweep of Seton Hall. Seton Hall's in the picture, not a surefire NCAA tournament team. Kind of more of a prove-it game for Villanova than I think people realize. And if UConn can win this on the road, I think it's going to both really bring Villanova back down to earth in terms of its perception this season, and it's going to vault UConn into the tournament conversation. This would be huge. Uh, I'm as interested in this game as just about any that's not Ohio State-Michigan this weekend. Huskies, Wildcats, who you got? Villanova is 2-3 in Quadrant 1. Wichita State is 2-2 in Quadrant 1. What else? How long do I need to keep doing this? It's Nova minus six, by the way, at home. I'm taking UConn plus the points. I think Villanova wins the game, but I'll take UConn plus the points. You're not going to be. You know what? I I already wrote in what I thought you were going to. I also have UConn. I wrote you in for Nova because I thought you were going to go Nova. But you're with me. I have to go UConn. They've, uh, Book Knight is as big of a game changer as almost any player there is in the sport, I think, Parrish. Like, without him, they were just sub-NIT level. And with him... They've been awesome. So that's a, that's a wonderful Saturday game to keep an eye on. Uh, you said it all with the Nova Quad 1. And in all seriousness, like I mentioned this in the Power Rankings earlier this week, and no doubt you've noticed it when you've been doing your rankings. Like Nova actually, like it's kind of just a little bit coasting on reputation. I will also note to the Nova fans who are all too aware of this, um, as we record this podcast, since Carolina played a home game on Wednesday, no power conference team has played fewer home games this season to this point than Villanova, which only has six, which is impacting some things undeniably, but there's still plenty left to uh, for Nova to prove. I think its route to a, a two-seed or three-seed isn't quite as simple as some might believe. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Lauren now. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Do you realize we got an idiotic pandemic now mixed with unusual snowstorms all throughout the southern United States? What are we even doing? What are we doing? Who did this? Who did this? It, well, it was, some like, of it was uh, us, but yes. I know. What, what, where, where is the breaking point? I mean, a pandemic plus a snowstorm? Not ideal. I, I don't blame Shocker for going to Cancun. If you want to know the truth. I don't blame him. If you're not shocking. subscribed to the podcast yet, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. I'd appreciate it. Norlander would, too. And either way, we're going to talk to you again on Sunday night. Till then, take care.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.